Hello, and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you, the community, a voice that can be heard around the world. We're live Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And now it's time for your host, Duncan McAllen. Hi, everyone. My name is Duncan Macklin. It is 7 p.m. Central on a Wednesday evening, and that means you are tuning in to another episode of Cyber Speaks Live. I'm very pleased to uh, have a wonderful guest with us tonight, InfoSec Sherpa, also known as Tracy Mayleaf, is going to be joining us. Uh, Tracy, you there? I'm there. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, for those of you that aren't familiar, haven't been following Tracy's uh, tweets and, and blog postings and trainings and everything else that she's been doing to help promote information security around the country and around the world, really wonderful person. Uh, but she's a GSEC certified cybersecurity analyst in a SOC center for a global Fortune 500 company. Um, prior to getting into the InfoSec industry, though, Tracy worked as a librarian in the academic, corporate, and private law firm. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that aspect of Tracy's background, but also while she was a member of the Special Libraries Association, Tracy received numerous awards and was actually named a fellow of the organization. Um, but it's coincidental or, or maybe not even coincidental, maybe it's purposeful that a couple of those awards were related to innovation. You know, so I'm going to be talking with Tracy about what that meant and, and why she was uh, presented those awards. Uh, but she's also presented on a variety of topics around the country on both librarian sciences as well as infosec and we're going to talk about some of those things and you know maybe even uh, dig into some of her favorites and and what she likes about you know presenting on those various topics she's also received the women in security leadership award from isa or the information systems and security association you know so uh just tremendous pedigree in addition to all these accolades she you know as if that stuff's not enough she also ho holds two undergraduate degrees from both temple university where she graduated magna cum laude and pennsylvania state university but that wasn't enough she so she had to go back to school and get a master's you know from that little university of pittsburgh on top of everything so uh, you know just a relentless educator on both sides of the fence, you know, whether receiving or, or giving. So with that, once again, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the InfoSec Sherpa. Thank you. Wow. I feel like I should retire now with that, that intro. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no kidding. You're done. Just punch the clock. All right, thank you. Good night. <laughs> We're good. All right. You know, I introduced you as, you know, of course, you're Tracy Mayleaf, and, and we appreciate, you know, everything you've done under that brand, but you also have another brand, and that's this InfoSec Sherpa, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I know what a Sherpa is. Uh, I'm actually a little bit saddened because uh, I'm sure you've heard in the news in the past week, you know, we've had a couple of deaths 
with those trying to climb Mount Everest. Um, you know, and that's what I always think of when I think of Sherpa. I think of one of those guides up the mountain, right? That that is trying to keep people alive, keep them safe, and help them reach that summit, that that pinnacle point in their life, that thing that they've been training for and working towards. Now, you chose Infosec Sherpa as your Twitter handle. Help me understand what what was the logic and reason behind that. Sure. Well, it actually started as Library Sherpa. That's how uh, this all began. Um, and how that came about was uh, one of the law firms I worked at told me that I couldn't blog or tweet under or write articles under my own name rather than be, rather than not blog or tweet or write or anything. I thought, well, I can just come up with an alias. And if I do use my real name, I can just say that I'm from librarysherpa.com <laughs> and rather than a company. Uh, and how it, and how Sherpa came to me is because I, I recall I was sitting in my living room trying to brainstorm of what I wanted my moniker to be. And I really felt that, you know, my role at the time in library world was that of a guide. Mm-hmm. I like to connect people with information and I like to guide them, you know, along the way. So uh, when guide popped into my head, Sherpa popped into my head, and then the tagline of your guide up a mountain of information uh, is, you know, what how that came about. So uh, fast, no, that was back in 2007. So fast forward to when I decided to start to make a career transition into InfoSec, I thought it was just natural to, to keep the, the Sherpa part, and I just called it InfoSec Sherpa and went with that and that initially was supposed to be just a lurker account now it's a very (laughs) it is not so much a lurker account anymore uh so that that's the origin of it is i you know started as library sherpa i transitioned it into infosec sherpa and i it's meant as an honorific to the the sherpa people because i you know i respect what they do and i like them i feel like i'm a guide for you know for people connecting them with information yeah, absolutely. And it's perfect for you and what you, you're you doing and obviously from that legacy history. Now, your official title is Cyber Analyst, right? With a Fortune 500 organization. That's a pretty significant role to be holding, especially in a security operations center. If you don't mind, Give us a glimpse into a day in your life. What does it look like? What are some of the things that you're tasked with? What are the challenges you're facing? And really what what I'm hoping will inspire some of the listeners is what are the opportunities afforded to you or the things that you're really proud of having accomplished in that role? Sure. Uh, Well, because I have a unique skill set and a unique background, I don't think I fit the typical mold of a SOC analyst, and that's okay. (laughs) So what what I'm about to explain may not mesh with other people's ideas or experiences. Uh, I spend a portion of my time doing threat intelligence, you know, mostly OSINT-related intelligence. Um, You know, for example, there was the Walters Kluwer uh, breach just a few weeks ago, and actually because of my librarian background, I knew how that could potentially 
affect my company because I knew right away, oh, so, you know, subscriptions, let's, you know, let's see if we have any subscriptions. You know, it was one of those things that I don't think someone without my experience would have put two and two together. But I knew to contact my company's librarian and I knew all the questions to ask and handed over all the information to uh, someone who does a different level of, of incident response. And, you know, he was kind of amazed. He was like, I would have never come up with this on my own. And I'm just like, it, it just, this happens to, <laughs> to be my special skill set. So, uh, so I, I do things like that for the company, trying to see what's out there that could possibly affecting us and kind of connecting the dots. Uh, another thing that I do, and I actually proactively did this, I reached out to the awareness team. My company's big enough that there was an awareness team. Because uh, when I first started, I would see some of the phishing simulation emails and I asked uh, someone that I work with, I said, do, does anyone ever talk to the awareness group to actually tell them what kind of phishing emails we actually see? And <laughs> like, oh, you know, talk to another department. What are you, are you kidding? Uh, so, you know, I come from a more people centric working background. So to me, it's not a big deal to pick up the phone or, or a, a message or you know, messenger thing or an email and connect with someone directly. But it's just like, hey, can we have a little chat about, you know, what we actually see versus what you're, you know, you're telling people and, and quizzing them on and things like that. So uh, I was then in integrated into a lot of uh, their meetings and some of their projects and things like that. And I even gave them an InfoSec 101 crash course because some of the, the people in that group weren't really familiar with InfoSec terms and you know nobody had ever reached out to them before so uh, so I did that and then there's also regular SOC things you know the you know the alerts that come in I particularly enjoy dealing with the phishing emails that are reported as suspicious because it's a combination of some tech skills you know, pulling apart documents and things like that to see what's what's in there. But also, you know, dealing with the individual. You know, sure, I could use, you know, some tools and go look to see if there was a post request made, you know, if somebody was entering their information, but it's a lot quicker just to pick up the phone <laughs> and talk to them and be like, hey, talk, talk, talk to me about this, you know, this email, you know, what what interactions did you have with it? And, you know, that, that also gave a better, you know, and quicker understanding rather than sending emails back and forth. I personally think that's one of the things that is truly lacking, not just in our industry, but in our society as a whole. We've become so interconnected that we've lost connection. Mm -hmm. We're so dependent on all these alternative means of communications that we've forgotten the most simplest basic elements of human communication, and that's voice. You know, just pick up the phone. We've totally lost touch with each other in that regard. So I applaud you for, you know, reaching across the fences, not only to close the gaps between these other groups, but, you know, not being afraid to pick up the phone to do it you know, and have those real conversations with folks because ultimately I, I think that's one of the reasons why we get such pushback in our industry and why it's so difficult to get that sense of 
cyber culture that we're trying to achieve inside of organizations because we're we're so focused on programs and technologies and you know this is going to fix it or that's going to fix it and we forget that it's those end users that are our human firewalls they are our first and our last defenses right mm -hmm. and you know being able to have those real communications and get at a personal level with them I, I think would do a lot more than beating them over the head with a you know bamboo cane and, and trying to force some type of behavioral response yeah I, I created a, a talk that I actually gave about two weeks ago at a conference it's called empathy as a service to create a culture of security and what I did was I took a principle in library science called a reference interview and I turned that into applying to information security about incident response um, that's I know it sounds it sounds kind of hard to imagine but there's oh there are steps there are seven steps that you can take to interact with the end user uh, to you know elicit information from them you know to to you know one of the tips is you know listen for what they don't say you know and I know that sounds odd but people might be either scared to admit something or may just legitimately forget because they might be so upset that they fell for a fish that they're you know they're in a tizzy and they're not thinking right mm -hmm. so you really need to listen carefully and in your mind since you're the professional you should be ticking boxes in your head of the sorts of things okay well they said this they didn't say that they said this they said this they didn't say that so then when you reiterate the conversation with them that's when you go in and you ask those direct questions of what they omitted that's just one example and how that creates a culture of security is that you're building trust i i'd rather that you that i create these bridges and make people feel comfortable to come to me right away so that i can clean it up when it's still just an innocent sugar bowl mess rather than this big catastrophe so that's the point of, of the talk that i created yeah i'd love to to catch that it actually has a lot of um, parallels to my background in law enforcement, right? It's the same type of interrogation. And I'm not trying to say that you're interrogating your <laughs> users, um, you know, sequestering them in some gray walled room somewhere handcuffed to the table. But you're right. When you're interviewing someone, there are the tells that you have to look for. And it's not just the physical attributes or the vocal, but you hit on a good point about what they're not saying as well that we need to listen for and that's that's a, a skill that takes time to perfect so yeah i, I, I do admit it <laughs> yeah I, it's not i do mention that during my talk i, I realized that that's not something you're going to be able to pick up overnight but that's why i framed it as far as a checklist like you know you should know the sort of things that they should or shouldn't be saying when we were talking about your body kind of reminded me of something there with the Walter Kluler, and, and I hope I just said that right, but that breach that occurred, what was that? This is... Two weeks ago, maybe? Yeah, somewhere around that time frame. But ironically, one of the awards that you received was uh, <laughs> a, a namesake, right? You yeah. know, it is the Walter Kluler. Yeah. Innovation Award. You also had an Innovation Award uh, from Dow Jones, right? Mm -hmm. So, in, if I'm not mistaken, uh, oh, the leadership, the women in leadership 
was yeah. the one from ISA. Um, so you've received two innovation awards. That's just fantastic. Tell 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 us about that. How did it happen? What what was the innovation? You know, pat yourself on the on the back here. You deserve <laughs> it. So let's hear about it. What happened? How'd you uh, get? It? Well, I mean, it's basically just how I am that I look and I see how something's done and I think about how to improve it, you know, to help the attorneys better access the material, save money, do things like that. I wound up saving the law firm a substantial amount of money because I made all these these changes and all. Um, but just any any you know processes and procedures. Another one was in 2015, I was the chairperson of the annual conference for the Special Libraries Association. So I had a committee and we were in charge of the content for the entire association. So this is about a like 5,000 person conference. Mm. And their library conferences are done very differently <laughs> than information security conferences. Um, but I, you know, I changed some things around. You know, I, I definitely, you know, implemented some stronger controls, you know, kind of forced people out of their comfort zone to provide some different content. Uh, for example, uh, this, uh, this was 2015, I knew that the topic of uh, Islamic finance and Islamic law in business were becoming more and more popular. And I, I, I approached some of the members of the association and said, you know, I really need you to put on, you know, a topic you know, a, a session on this topic and explain the importance of it. And long story short, through me helping them and encouraging them and guiding them, they were able to get, uh, this conference happened to be held in Boston that year. They were able to get a professor from one of the many Boston <laughs> universities to, who was a, you know, a world expert in Islamic finance and, and law. Um, and another one, there was a physics group physics librarians uh each group within the library association was responsible for their programming i said to the the physics and mathematics librarians can you have one session that is for lay people people that aren't as good right. as math than you you know that than you are and they were very you know, resistant to that we're like no this is our you know conference our time to talk and i said but you can build bridges you know with other members of this association if you provide just one one session i'm just asking for one short session just to you know, make it for for people without your knowledge, and they did it, and I you know, got tremendous feedback. The overall conference feedback was amazing. The the positive feedback score was in the 90s. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I was really pleased by that. Uh, so things like that. I mean, I just I see something and I see a way to to make it better, and that doesn't it doesn't mean that I think that my way is better, but I'll ask questions. You know, on the go, I, you know, can we, can we do this differently? Because sometimes you can't change something for one reason or another. Um, but um, I like to observe things and I have ideas of ways to make them better. And I go and try and do that. <laughs> okay, so help me then. Why the, why the flip of the script? What, <laughs> what tuned you into this broad world of InfoSec? How did that transition occur and I don't want to focus on this exclusively but for our listeners and, and for us to get to the rest of this which is really around your trainings and stuff mm -hmm. 
we gotta bridge that that <laughs> massive gap. So, sure, no problem. So, how does a librarian become a, a you know GSEC certified InfoSec professional? <laughs> Fill in the gap. Sure. So, uh, I declared 2015 the year of my career. So New Year's Day, well, right. New Year's Eve, I was, you know, because I, I felt sort of in a professional rut. Um, you know, because of all this innovation, I had kind of run out of things to do. You know, I, I had accomplished a lot in library world and I didn't, I wasn't really excited by any other challenges that were left. New Year's Eve 2014, I decided I'm going to make 2015 the year of my career. I'm going to figure out you know, do I want to stay in librarianship? Do I want to pursue something else? So New Year's Day, I sat and I watched the, you know, the parades and football games and with my laptop out and I worked on my resume and applied for some jobs, updated my LinkedIn, all that good stuff. And very quickly, I got called in for some library interviews, but none of them did anything for me. You know, I went through the interview. I did, you know, I, I kind of, I backed out of some of them because they wanted to go further and I just, it wasn't interesting to me. So on one of my many train rides in and out of the city commuting, I read an article in Entrepreneur Magazine called Future Proofing Your Career. And it had a couple suggestions in there. And one of them was, you know, think back to all the different jobs you've had and what's the one or two things that really interested you and excited you or intrigued you. And I thought about it, all the different jobs I've had, and I realized that wherever there was a tech component is what really interested me. So I decided then to just take a leap of faith and I started to go to all these Philadelphia area tech meetups, um, you know, workshops, classes, social events, things like that. But I very quickly learned that everything I was going to was very front end oriented. It was a lot of, you know, like program programming things, or just a lot of people who th everybody thought you go to a party and everybody was pitching you. They they think that they have the next Facebook, and you know, it was just a lot of things uh, that I didn't really care for. And you know, my, my joke is that I, I walked out of a Ruby on Rails class because it didn't interest me, and I paid $25 to be certain that I never wanted to touch it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have, you know, I have a, a friend who was already in security and in IT for a long time, and he was kind of watching me spin my wheels. And finally, he's, you know, when I really started to get dejected, he's like, let's, let me talk to you about what I do. Let me talk to you about backend stuff. It's like, okay. And then getting tuned into some of the security world intrigued me. So I went about it in a very librarian sort of way. I set up a bunch of Google alerts for different security keywords. I looked at what, you know, periodicals and other printed material were available and just did a lot of reading. And that's when I had the realization that my natural paranoia and distrust of things was a career path. And I thought, oh, this might be interesting, you know, to pursue. Uh, so fast forward to uh, the same friend happened to be at Black Hat uh, that year, and he came across the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu table. He took a, he took a bunch of photos of their booth and of their uh, research material and things like that and texted it to me. So I'm back in Philadelphia at my desk in the library, and I start getting all these texts of photos from Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu, and my friend's writing to me going, you need to do this. You need to do this now. And three weeks later or so, I was sitting in one of their cybersecurity fundamentals classes. 
and you know my joke is they had me at port scanning i was like this is fascinating. <laughs> uh it was a it was a two-day workshop i was like okay this is this is what i want to do uh so security became my quirky hobby and september of 2015 i approached the cio of the law firm and i said hey what's the law firm doing for Cybersecurity awareness month next month uh, and whatever's going on, I like to be a part of it. And he said to me, what's Cybersecurity Awareness Month? So um, I drew up this five point plan of, I, I don't think I realized at the time and it was an awareness campaign, but it was an awareness campaign. So there were five Fridays in October that year. So I drew up these plans and each week was a different theme. And one of the th weeks was themed um, the perils of free Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, things like that. So he, I sent him everything and he said, I love this. This is great. We're going to do this, but you're in charge. So he had someone from IT and someone from marketing report to me to work on this. And we pulled it off. And then November rolls around and I said, no, that was fantastic. You know, what else can I do for the law firm for security? And he said, oh, well, you can do it again next year. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I, I need to do this more. So that's when I started to formulate a plan to roll out of, of library world. And so my idea was I created my own business and I did social media management and research for companies while I was doing workshops, going to conferences and learning and studying and understanding InfoSec. Uh, so February, 2016, quit my job. Two weeks later, I was on a plane to RSA, and I did that for about a year and a half before my current employer said, oh, we didn't realize you were looking for a job. We would like to talk to you. <laughs> so, uh, And I, I had planned that ahead of time. I wanted the, my company just to be a catalyst to get me into a full-time security job. So that's I was doing that on purpose, yeah. Curious so, about that. Why would you choose that route rather than staying independent and building your own organization? Well, because I didn't have a lot of experience in it. I didn't, I didn't really have, I mean, sure. who was going to hire me without any InfoSec experience, you know, to, to do anything other than like low level awareness. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't close it up entirely. I mean, I could, I kept it. It's just, um, you know, it's just simmering now in case I do want to revisit it. But I mean, think about it. I'd only been out in the wild for a year and a half. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to do the infosec work that I wanted to do as an independent. I knew I needed to get in with a company to get, you know, more training and exposure and, and things like that. Yeah, so much of what we go through in our prior lives can be applied to infosec because infosec is so broad. Mm -hmm. And when people come to me and they say, how do I get into information security? How do I get into cybersecurity? What do I do? You know, the first thing I always say to them is look inside, identify the type of person that you are, because we can real quickly divide this whole space in half. If you'll just figure out what kind of person you are, are you a breaker of things or are, are you compassionate? Do you have a tender heart? Are you a protector and a defender? You know, because there we can kind of isolate you into either red team or blue team. And I'm not saying you can only be one or the other, but it does help to kind of level the playing field between those two sides and helping folks to be able to pursue a path.
right? Mm -hmm. That's more focused on something that's core to them. You're not going to take a red team mentality and heart and put them onto a blue team and then be happy, right? They're going to want to break shit. You know, they want to explore and they want to push the limits. And that's not necessarily blue team operations, right? So having made that transition, found a sweet spot for yourself in starting to develop this career path. You know, you, you started talking about doing kind of, I don't want to say the circuit, but, you know, presenting at a lot of different conferences on both sides of, you know, library and sciences, infosec. Um, I'm going to ask you real quickly, is any one of those your favorite? Uh, well, in, in InfoSec world, yeah. uh, besides Charm is, is my favorite. It just, I don't know, the people are great, the organizers are great. Uh, it's, it's also one of the more diverse events. Um, I think just being, I mean, all kinds of diversity. You have a lot of government employees, you have a lot of private sector, you have students and academics and just people from all different backgrounds. Uh, and I don't know, it's just always been- Yeah, I get it. You know, it's been great, yeah. I just- I'm the same way with B-Side <laughs> Senatone. It's just one of my favorites. I don't know why, just like you said, the people, the, the I don't want to say click, but everybody just does seem to click together and, and get along and we have a great time. There's great sessions on, um, they have, in my mind, one of the coolest logos and, and swag that you can get out there. Uh, I wish I had something right here that I could show. Yeah, I love B-Side Senatone. Um, you know, I have some other conferences that are near and dear to my heart, but they're actually not InfoSec conferences. They're back in that legacy life yeah. around enterprise management, the Microsoft space, and folks that I've known for 20 years, right? And it's hard to replace those kinds of relationships. So, you talked about developing trainings at the law firm and such and in your own company that you developed afterwards but you're still doing these kinds of trainings for both sides of that fence again if I understand right you're still doing some trainings with libraries and librarians um, but you're also doing some infosec trainings right so what is it that you're doing as far as training right now and where do you see those specific trainings being of benefit to folks and why you know if you're showing up at a conference they need to go ahead and book that workshop or, or whatever the case may be you know um, yeah there and these are two very different topics so I'll address the uh, the InfoSec industry one first. So yes, uh, June 8th, I will be speaking at the Layer 8 conference in Providence, Rhode Island. And my talk there is uh, called Lawyers, Guns, and Money, an Introduction to Legal, Government, and Business Research. And uh, Layer 8, in case you're not familiar, is a an OSINT and Social Engineering conference. Oh yeah, I'm familiar and it's okay. also <laughs> well, for, well, for all, all the listeners. Um, well, and it's conflicting date with B-Side Senatone. Gotcha. So, so it's the only reason I can't get out there. So so I gave a version of this talk at the SANS OSINT Summit in February. And honestly, I was a little surprised how well it was received. Um, just, I guess I forget that the skill set I have from my library library days, uh, I guess, isn't 
second nature to everyone in InfoSec. Uh, so, you know, I realized that I've been doing OSINT for longer than I realized it was called OSINT. Uh, you know, doing that sort of research was just part of my job as a librarian. I didn't know it had a cool name. So I like to try and share the skills that I have from my library days uh, with InfoSec, you know, the InfoSec community. So I'm doing this very intro. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you, but we have used this term several times, and I hate using acronyms without first defining them, especially not knowing who may be listening and what their experience level is in InfoSec. So we've been using this term called OSINT, right? Mm -hmm. So O-S-I-N-T, Open Source Intelligence. And that's basically just anything that you can gather from any publicly accessible source, whether that be online or offline, right? So when Tracy's talking about her experiences with OSINT, that is what she's referring to. Just want to interject that one thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Uh, so it's going to be an introduction to legal government and business research. Uh, I gave a version of it at the OSINT, the SANS OSINT Summit in February. And I'm just pleasantly surprised that people have an interest in it. Uh, so when I give talks at InfoSec conferences, I, you know, rely heavily on my my skill set of interacting with with people. You know, I already mentioned my empathy as a service talk. Uh, so I'll give talks about that, about networking with people, you know, as opposed to computers. <laughs> uh, the really, you know, the human element, and then the open source intelligence research skills element. Those are the talks that I give into InfoSec world. And then the other side of the coin is if a library asks me, I will give them training on what I call InfoSec 101. Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, it, it's anywhere from going over vocabulary words. Now I know that vocabulary words alone will not make them safe. I'm not telling them vocabulary words to make them safe. I'm telling them vocabulary words so that they understand the headlines and yeah. then that comes out because more and more a lot of jargon is being used. Uh, I also go in, I, I, I spend a lot of time looking at phishing, showing them red flags and just some of those sandbox sites like VirusTotal and things that they can check because a lot of these libraries are very small if they even have an IT person, uh, it may not be on site. So I'm trying to give them some tools and just make them feel empowered so that they have a little bit more control over this because a lot of these libraries, nobody's talking to them about security. Um, yeah. Is that something you've considered making available as an online training versus having to consume your time in, in resources maybe just having something focused towards librarians that they can access online is that something you consider for the future well you see i'm uniquely qualified to speak to librarians because i understand their world right. and when i give my talk i do put things into a library context for them to understand and i don't and I feel like it resonates with them better because I'm able to, you know, to explain things to them in a way that makes sense in library world. And right. I also like to tailor my talks to the specific needs of the library. You know, some libraries may have more of a need for multilingual resources or some libraries might be more tech savvy than others. 
uh, for example, I spoke at the Kentucky Library Association Conference about six months ago. And some of these libraries were just, you know, in very rural parts of Kentucky, had just really like just no little to no resources, definitely not any IT help. So they needed a different level of explanation of how to handle some of the things that that come their way. Uh, for example, you know, the question was, well, what do we do if we find these law, you know, these these random USB drives around? And I, you know, with burn them, I braced myself and I asked, well, what do you do with them now? And of course, the answer was, well, they just plug them in. So they don't have any, you know, IT facility to to help them with it. So I walked them through some alternatives so that they wouldn't, you know, compromise their own system. Um, so that that's why I like to keep it. I, I like to to really make my talks individual to the group that I'm talking to because I want it to really sink in and resonate. And if I make something very generic, I feel like it's not going to sink in as, as much. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I I definitely do. It's just that that struggle of physics, right? You can't be in two places at the same time. Um, and like I've told you specifically in the past, these recordings for right now, and by the way, if you check your Twitter, I just sent you a DM with a quick walkthrough, but, and I won't mess with my video like I did the last time I showed you, but I record from the local New Brunfels Public Library. Uh, I have a conference room that I can book here. I have Google Fiber, the speed internet. Uh, it's, it's the perfect setup for us and based off of our location what we're doing i know this location i know the folks here i know they need that kind of training right and i'm sure it's the exact same way around the country i i think you know they could benefit from having something like you said that is very poignant and, and, and focused towards librarians and has your your pitch and your tone and your background to relate to because uh, I just I feel empathetic for these kinds of organizations all around the world I really do it, it, there's so much that needs to be done but there's only so many people with the time and the resources in the financial means to make it happen right um, so you know if you're out there and you're listening to this you know my encouragement to you would be yeah you know pop into your public library look at their little uh calendar of events see if there's something on there that relates to your background your experience and something that you can help contribute to myself carol we're going to be doing a small business cybersecurity workshop here we're still working on the dates but it looks like it's going to be the end of august early september uh, to follow in with this, you know, start of the, the school year and everything else with some other trainings that they have planned for teens. Uh, you know, so that's what we're able to do. And if you're able to pull from other resources, you know, grab from folks that you know, put, pull together your knowledge and experience of where you can contribute and put something together that can be brought into these kinds of organizations. You know, they need our help. They need a desperate. And I did create two blog posts, and there might be more coming, on my blog, which I can give you the links for the show notes, uh, specifically of how to first, how to go about, uh, you know, proposing a talk or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, giving a talk to, to libraries and, and some of the steps. Um, 
And then the second blog post is geared towards if you were to speak to librarians specifically, uh, I kind of give an overview of the things that you should hit on. And why I said librarians specifically is because if you want to speak to library patrons, i.e. consumers, i.e. You know, and, and users, um, that's a different talk because yeah. that's going to be more consumer focused, more home focused. If you're speaking to library staff, that needs to be more work related. And to me, in my mind, they're completely, not completely, but they are vastly different talks. And uh, so I, I give guidelines for that. So I do just want to mention, so it's, it's, it's May 29th. Uh, a lot of libraries plan their activities at least six months in advance. So if you want to do something for Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October, I urge you within the next month to get in touch with your, your library to propose that to them uh, because they, they do book things far in advance. Yeah, I, I got that. I, I figured they'd be no. more than happy to <laughs> jump on this shit and roll with it and we can be in there next week. No, they're like... Well, well, it's not that they're not happy about it. It's just for a variety of reasons. Uh, yeah. Plan in advance. So that's why this this time period is crucial because if you want to do something for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, get in front of them now because that's when they're going to be making decisions and still have some wiggle room to to create things. Um, I mean, myself, when I contacted my local library, I did two talks for them. I did one just for the library staff, and then I did a second one for patrons during the month of October. And uh, because it the first one was for staff, they were able to squeeze me in sooner. Uh, but then this was last last year that I did this. Uh, but yeah, the one, you know, for the patrons, that was that was pretty booked and that was kind of jammed in on a weird like Wednesday night or something yeah. like that. Uh, so that that's the biggest thing I was gonna say is that if you if you want to share your infosec knowledge and you want to practice presenting and things like that um i'll you know share my links to my blog uh so it can be added to the show notes but think you know you your window for october is really going to be like the next month or so uh and that's not to say that they you know it's impossible but again what i'm afraid of is that people might get discouraged yeah. um, I, i've gotten feedback from people on twitter because I, I keep encouraging infosec people to to talk to libraries and i've had people say oh well they take a long time to get back to me or they can't book me in for seven months. I'm just trying to manage your expectations. <laughs> that yeah, it's absolutely. Not, not grateful. It's just that they are very busy and have a lot going on. And yeah, it might take a while to get something scheduled. But that, that is a testament to a, a lot of these library systems around the country of how active they are. You know, we think, yeah, I thought, I will say, libraries are on the you know dying end their dinosaurs becoming extinct everything's online but you would not believe how much of a hustle and bustle goes on in these libraries today they are like your local starbucks your barnes and nobles these are the the center of so much activity that's going on in your community that you may not even be aware of it you know there's uh, a great thread on Twitter about myths of librarians and libraries and it goes on and on about all these different things that we have in our heads and in our minds about libraries about librarians that are completely false you know what folks guess what you don't have to be quiet in a library anymore yeah you know? it's for 
you know, kind of respectful to do so, but you would be surprised. There, there's so much activity going on. There's book readings with kids. There's teens that are having study groups and there's, you know, knitting clubs and all this stuff that's going on inside of these libraries. And, you know, when I first started coming back in, I'm, you know, talking to like this and, talk, and, and the people around me are talking you know full volume and i'm like okay well i guess that's kind of gone to the wayside but definitely check out your library check out your local community centers look at their calendar of events see where you're able to contribute either as a volunteer bringing something new in there but you know let's try to help protect and defend our small businesses our neighbors our families and friends and in this whole crusade against cyber crime and terrorism all right so before i open it up to our few remaining audience members i just want to put out a few more things uh tracy let's get your blog address real quick we'll put it in the show notes but for those that are just listening in where is your law blog located uh, my blog osinti goodness is it's on medium so it's medium.com slash the at sign infosec sherpa okay cool now also you are one of the contributing authors to the tribe of hackers book right i am yes awesome yes which i have in my book bag right now um i i'm sorry i totally forgot to mention that during your introduction but uh if you're not familiar the tribe of hackers book is a uh a child of Marcus Carey with Rec Care in Jenjin, his uh, director of marketing. Those two were the main collaborators on this book that includes 70 different, 70, that's seven zero folks, different InfoSec professionals, and they're all responding to the same 14 questions asked of them and you get such a different perspective and awareness and understanding of these folks and the diversity that exists within InfoSec. So if you haven't picked up that book, I strongly encourage you to do so now. If for whatever reason you can't find it on Amazon or, or unable to purchase, it is available free of charge from the ThreatCare website, threatcare.com forward slash tribe hyphen of hyphen hackers um lastly don't forget to check out if you're in the area and able to june 8th on uh, the layer 8 conference tracy is going to be presenting her lawyers guns and money talk there so with that uh tracy i'm going to ask you one more question one to two sentence answer only please in the interest of time and to get to some uh q a if we have any questions okay do you have one recommendation that you would give for anyone who is interested in making a career change and getting into information security today one suggestion for only one one suggestion um, I would say that you you need to either uh, hone or create some interpersonal skills. Some people already have them. Some need to work on them. Uh, <laughs> but you you need to have interpersonal skills not only for personal networking, uh, you know, for career enrichment and development. 
but to also connect with the shareholders, your end users, whomever you're reporting to. You need to work on those those interpersonal social skills uh, in order to you know really make an impact and be effective in information security. Excellent. Very good response. I I like that a lot. <laughs> Tracy, I'm going to mute you for just a second while I open up the lines elsewhere. Now, uh, let me go ahead. I'm going to pick on an audience member just to generate some uh, Q and A here. Let's go ahead with Sharon Pratt. Sharon, I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. Your line's going to become unmute in just a moment. If you would, any questions, comments, or regards to Tracy Infosec Sherpa? Well, I feel like I've learned a lot listening to her. I am not in info security, but I am very interested in info security just personally um you know i was one that wouldn't even use um amazon because i didn't want my information out there i was one of those paranoid people but i've been watching a lot of your podcast and um have had some conversations with you personally and uh these podcasts have really been helping me i feel like i'm not quite as ignorant anymore and um her talk was really good in that you know she came from a background of librarianship which is as far removed from info security as you could get and i'm listening to her now and she sounds like an absolute expert so i feel like there's room room for me to grow so i don't have a question but just compliments to both of you Oh, cool. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sharon. And uh, Tracy, I'll go ahead and unmute you again so you can respond. Thank you, Sharon. That was, that was wonderful. Thank you, Sharon. I'm so glad to be of assistance. And, you know, yeah, if you, if you already have that instinct to be protective of your information and mindful of the risks, then absolutely just lean in towards that and, you know, get the necessary technical information, you, you know, or instruction that you may need and just, you know, just work towards it. Um, you know, like I said, I, I did it. If you had said to me five years ago, I'd be sitting here doing this. I wouldn't have, have believed it, but uh, no, you're, you're doing, it sounds like you're on the, on a great path. So, uh, you know, kudos to you and keep, keep it up. Excellent. Yes, I agree. Okay. Last comment from Carol. Carol, come on in here. Trying it again. There we go. You are. So Tracy, so just Duncan has kind of asked part of the question that I had for you. So someone that's beginning to dabble in OSINT like myself, where would you suggest someone start? Tracy, I got you unmuted now. There, there we go. go. Okay. <laughs> um, well, that is a very good question. Um, to start at the, the very, very beginning, I would say uh, what I mentioned before, get some you know Google Alerts set up uh, for different keywords. You know, start to figure out what in stories interest you uh, because that'll, I think that'll also help direct you towards the type of infosec you'd want to, to get into. Um, so, so absorbing all those, all the open source intelligence will help, you know, 
you know, key you into it. If you find yourself always clicking on the articles about the uh, industrial, you know, control system security, you know, like the, the oil refineries and things like that, then, you know, if that really resonates with you, then maybe you, you start to figure out ways to utilize OSINT skills to, to help, uh, you know, protection with that. Um, you know, there's definitely, you know, many courses you can, you can choose from. I would become familiar with, with Google dorking. Uh, it's the, the different shortcuts you can use on the Google search bar uh, to search specific things. It's a, it's a good shortcut. Uh, if, you know, if you're not familiar, it can be something like S-I-T-E colon, the website name space, and then a keyword. And that Google will then return only that specific website where that keyword shows up. Uh, it'll save you a lot of time. And, you know, just to kind of get, get a feel for where you can access uh, different material, whether it's, you know, if you graduated from a, a college, you, as an alumna, you may have access to their databases. You know, so investigate your options. We you know, what all does your local library have access to? They may have a digital library that's connected to a library consortium, which may open you up to something like NewsBank, which is a, a gigantic news and magazine database. Uh, you may have access to that. So I would first, you know, check out your landscape and see what do you have access to? And then, and, and do things like, like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the Google dork and that that's going to be an interesting one as our organization moves completely away from Google and begins actual banning of services. So, uh, we have well, our. Well, it own. doesn't even have to be specifically Google. It's just being able to finesse a search engine, right? Cut through and get and get more results. The, the common, you know, the common one is Google dorking, but I mean Bing and. Uh, Firefox and they all have their own little tips you can use. Yeah. Uh, DuckDuckGo will respect Duck, it. Duck, yeah, you, you just want to be able to to filter out the nonsense and get directly to you know to what you want. So whatever search engine you use, make sure you know intimately how it works so that you can finesse it. Yeah, and we're going to have that as a topic for one of these upcoming episodes. I think it's going to end up fitting into late June just based off of our scheduling. I only have one date between now and mid-July that is available. So some of our upcoming guests I'm really excited about. Uh, not gonna spoil it right here, but let me tell you folks, there's going to be some amazing folks in information security that are coming up in uh, very pleased but Tracy thank you so much for being on tonight I really appreciate uh, you being here and sharing your your wisdom your experience your strength and, and just that inspiration for others to be able to not only get into infosec but to be better at infosec you know being more like you said compassionate being more communicative uh, opening up those lines and, and closing those gaps. You know, I, I loved hearing everything that you said tonight. So applause for you, Bam. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. This is May 29th. Come June 5th, I will be joined by Jack Rice Sider. 
I think I'm saying that right. Um, Jack is the host of Darknet Diaries, one of my favorite InfoSec podcasts to listen to. This guy is a genius. Um, if you haven't listened to a podcast episode from Jack in the Darknet Diaries, I would highly encourage you go do that this week before next week's episode featuring him. He's going to be talking about all the research, all the intel gathering, all the stuff that goes into producing his podcast series, Darknet Diaries, and some of the post uh, editing stuff that goes into it as well. So if you're interested in doing something like this show, if you want to have a podcast or if you just want to know what all goes into his because it is amazing it is like studio quality hollywood quality you would think you've just walked into your library picked up a books on tape or something uh this guy's just phenomenal so i can't wait to have him on the show next week and start to dive into some of that stuff uh just as throwbacks to some of our previous guests again i want to thank roger grimes who was here last week from no before and just blew it out of the water talking about all the different malware variant types if you're not familiar if you'd like to catch that episode feel free to hit cyberspeaks.com it's there you can also pick it up on anchor.fm uh weeks prior was b-sides team with jack daniel the founder or co-founder of the whole b-sides movement to join us for uh that particular episode along with the b-sides team now b-sides san antonio is coming up june 8th so right around the corner there are still very limited tickets available so if you want to be at b-side san antonio june 8th uh i'm gonna be there we're hosting the ice cream social and and then of course our first guest uh marcus carey with threat care thank you again marcus for taking that shot first one out of the gate to join us here uh he's also the co-founder as i said earlier excuse me co-author of the tribe of hackers book which tracy is featured in as one of the contributing writers so i think with that we have come full circle it's another episode in the books tracy thank you so much i appreciate you being here ma'am loved having you and just phenomenal story keep up the great work keep sharing keep building up people keep helping us to protect and defend with that this is another episode of Cyber Speaks Live coming to you every Wednesday evening, 7 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern. Talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyber Speaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week. And as always, stay safe and secure out there.